0: We just stepped on their face with a hotmail boot and broke their nose. One, two, three, Bullshit. Welcome to the Tidal Run Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Bethay, coming to you from the Omni Studios, to talk to you about our beloved Atlanta Hawks. If you're new to the show, please make sure to follow us on Twitter or Facebook. You can email the show, Run Sports at gmail.com. And you can also subscribe to us on any major podcasting platform. So on Friday, the Hawks hit the 19-game mark, which is roughly a quarter of the season. Technically, it was their 18th game on Wednesday, but it's the weekend, so it's a lot easier to record this on the weekend. So we're checking in now with our Hawks quarter run report. So I'm going to hit you with a few stats, um, some trends we've noticed in the first fourth of the season, and also give you some grades and thoughts as we move in to the next quarter of the season. So let's start with giving you a few numbers about the team. Through 19 games, the Hawks are 10 and 9, currently sitting as the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they have a defensive rating of 107.3, excuse me, they have a defensive rating of 106.8, which is good for ninth in the NBA. They have an offensive rating of 109.5, which is also good for ninth in the NBA. And just to refresh, if you're not uh, familiar with defensive rating, it is calculated by um, figuring out the number of points teams allow per 100 possessions so it essentially adjusts for pace so you may have a team like the Spurs that's getting, the old Spurs that are only allowing, you know, 98 points per game but they play at a slow pace so there's 20 less possessions in a game and you have someone like the old Phoenix Suns who might be allowing 113 points per game but they're playing at a seven seconds or less pace where they have 30 more possessions in a game than the typical team. So it's just for those kind of things to see how good you actually are and not just looking at raw numbers. The Hawks are third in the NBA in rebounding at 47.8 rebounds per game. A lot of that's because of Clint Capella, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes here. They have improved from dead last in the NBA in three-point shooting to 22nd at 35.1%. They are number one in the NBA in free throw attempts, number four in free throw percentage, and they have moved from the bottom of the league in turnovers to number 18. So those are some a few basic stats that give context to a few of the things we're going to talk about. So the buzz around the Hawks coming into the season was that they could be a top five offensive team with just the number of weapons they added and the amount of firepower they added. So to this point, the offense honestly hasn't been as good as expected, and there's a lot of very practical reasons for that. The number one reason, and it's not an excuse, but it's a legitimate reason, is injuries. Listen to the number of games missed by some of these Hawks contributors that are expected to be a big part of this juggernaut offense. Chris Dunn has missed all 19 games this season, and I know he's not an offensive player, but still some of the Hawks were counting on because Rayjean Rondo, who was supposed to be the Hawks' primary backup point guard, has missed nine games this season. And it'd be really nice to have Chris Dunn out there bringing his defense and ability to finish, as opposed to playing closing lineups that have Brandon Goodwin in, which the Hawks have done way more of this season than I ever thought I would see or ever wanted to see. Uh, Danilo Gallinari, who is probably our biggest offensive signing. He was the best offensive player we signed this offseason. He's missed 12 games due to injury, and when he has played, he is bald. I saw He had a line the other night where he had 18 minutes and 15 points, and it's like that's just what Gallo is. He is a bucket. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich has missed nine games with a knee fracture, Rondo has missed nine, as we just mentioned. And even Cam Reddish has missed four, and Capella's missed three. So the Hawks went through about a two-week stretch after a red-hot start to the season where they looked like a top-five offense. They did. They were just racking up points on everybody. Trey looked like an MVP candidate. Then they hit a stretch where they had a bunch of injuries and skidded to a four-game losing streak against some very, very average to bad teams. And the offense ground to a halt. You had the beef between Trey Young and John Collins, where Collins called out Trey for not running the offense well, which is probably actually a pretty legitimate complaint. Trey had a game where he pouted, which if you didn't see that game, you should go back and watch Trey visibly visibly refusing to shoot the ball, pulling a James Harden. And then Trey recovered to go into just a terrible two-week shooting slump where he lost all confidence in his three-point shot, wasn't able to get to the free-throw line, and we just ground to a halt offensively, especially without secondary weapons like Gallinari and Bogdanovich to pick up the load, and it was just painful to watch. The only bright spot during this stretch was DeAndre Hunter, who has just blown everybody away with how much he's improved on both ends of the court. Coming into the year, I honestly thought that Reddish was going to be the better of the two, and it has not even been close, as Hunter is the second leading scorer on our team with 17 points a game. He has just been ultra-efficient. He is finishing in the mid-range he is finishing at the rim and he's shooting threes at a high level and he's able to create his own shot which is something he could not do last year he looks like a top 10 draft pick which was debatable last year at certain points but he looks much more like the player you thought you're getting when you got when he came out of Virginia and he is not even I don't think approached his ceiling which I don't think is quite as high as someone like a Cam Reddish but I think his ceiling may be higher than people thought after what he gave you last year as a rookie and the fact that he was older. And it's hard not to watch his game and see some shades of Kawhi Leonard. And you know, that was a comparison that was made, you know, for a ceiling, which I think was ridiculous. But it you can see why that comparison was made because he's a guy that can operate in the mid-range. He's got a big, strong body. He can do a little bit of – he can score from all three levels to some extent. So he has by far been the glue, the most consistent offensive player for the Hawks all year. On any given night, you could argue he's been the second-best player because Calpella's flashed where he's like an all-star different points, but I would just say that Hunter has been more consistent with his scoring and defense on both ends of the court. I mean, Hunter is 15-20 every night you can bank on it. And so he has been one of the big pleasant surprises, especially in the offensive end, whereas Cam Reddish has struggled mightily with his shot He has improved greatly at his finishing and his ability to get the free throw line. But the three-point shot just isn't there right now. And his shot selection is still very, very questionable, as is his decision-making. So Reddish has been a little bit of a disappointment at that end. And when you combine Reddish's regression with Trey's up-and-down first half, all the injuries, and then the last element that's really made it difficult for this offense to gel has been the learning curve for Capella and John Collins as a big man tandem. The idea was that you would pair either one of them with Gallinari for long stretches of the game, so that you would have one person that could run the rim off pick and rolls and another that could pick and pop. One of the Hawks' favorite offensive sets is the double drag set. Well, they will put two big men at the top of the three point line to set a staggered screen for Trey Young. So Trey dribbles past one, then dribbles past the other. And typically what he'll do is one of those will roll to the rim for a lob. If the defense helps, he'll swing to the other one for a three as they pop. So last year the Hawks would run this with Dwayne Dedman. And he was a guy that could either roll or pop, although he was better as the guy that popped. And Collins could either roll or pop. So you had so you had multiple options because you could have Dedman roll to the goal and get a dunk, or Col- and Collins pop, or vice versa. Well, this year when you run that same set with Capella, Capella's not a threat that pops, so he has to be the one that rolls the rim. And so the result is you have games where John Collins is shooting seven threes and out of, nine, out of nine or ten field goal attempts. And he's shooting them at a high level, but I don't think that's what John Collins is best at doing. And so there's just this learning curve. And again, the plan was to have Gallinari being the other one that could play along with Collins and could pop or roll when they're both in the game together. Or to have Gallinari, who's truly a knockdown three-point shooter, being the pop man when he's playing with Capella. So playing with Capella has really limited Collins' touches in his prime areas. He's not getting as many lobs. He's not getting as many direct post-ups when he has got them. He hasn't looked as good as he has in the past on his direct post-ups. And you can just tell there's generally a pretty steep learning curve for him and Capella playing together. And that's in part because, by design, they weren't intended to play together as much as they have. Now, having said that, wait to hear the stats about what the two of them are doing at the other end of the floor. We'll get to that in just a moment. But overall, I'd give the Hawks' offense a grade of a C. I know it's weird to give a top-10 offense a C, but the truth is the Hawks really have underperformed at all on offense. three-point shooting isn't as good as it should be. The Hawks have been saved by the fact that they're a really good offensive rebounding team, and they get to the free-throw line. But Trey has been like an EKG this year. He's been up and down. You know, he had a six-point game early this year, 2 for 11 from the field, one of the worst games of his career. And then he's gone crazy and shot the three-ball extraordinarily well and gone from 27% all the way up to 36%. So, again, the biggest problem that I have with the Hawks' offense is just the lack of consistency. Well, they'll score 140 against Brooklyn and then come back and score – and then come out and score 94 against the Hornets. It doesn't make any sense. So – I would give them an overall grade of a C for their offense to this point of the season. Now, having said that, I would give the defense at this point a grade of B-. minus. The defense has been better than expected, much better than expected. And we were just talking about in the preseason, can the Hawks just be a middle-of-the-league defense between 10 and 20? The thought of them being a top-10 defense never occurred to me or most fans. A few reasons for that, rebounding, and this is largely Clint Capella, but the Hawks are one of the best rebounding teams in the NBA Um, particularly on the offensive end, and that means they're allowing less possessions, which means you have to play less defense. Hawks are also fouling less, which is something we talked about in the preseason, that they were one of the worst teams in the NBA at fouling. They've gone from the bottom five to 15th in fouls. Um, As mentioned earlier, DeAndre Hunter has improved on the defensive end. Capella, who came in with the reputation of being a good but not great defender, has been outstanding. Top five in the NBA in blocks, Top five and real plus minus on the defense side of the ball, joined by John Collins, who is also top five on defensive real plus minus in the entire league. And the two of them together have the highest defensive rating of any two players in the NBA. How? I don't know, but it's incredible to think that uh, Capella's addition has actually improved John Collins. And the rare area where John Collins is really improving defense is his rim protection, as he's providing a lot more rim protection. And even though his rebounding numbers aren't as good as they were, and part of that's because Capella's eating a lot of those shots off the glass, um, the two of them together have made a really good defensive tandem at the rim and have helped the Hawks tremendously. And of course, you have to go through and mention Trey Young. And with Trey. Is he good at the defenseman? No. But what you do see is that every night he's bringing consistent and solid effort. He's competing. So, you know, he doesn't just die on screens anymore. He actually stays engaged on the ball. He somewhat attempts to rotate when he's supposed to. He's getting his hands in passing lanes and causing more deflections and steals. Now, when he gets a switch, he gets murdered every time. And that'll probably be the case for his entire career. But just the fact that Trey is getting more effort means he's gone from being like, a historically horrible defender to being just a below average to bad defender which is okay when you're as good on the offensive end as he is. So, you know, the Hawks I would say currently the defense would be about a B minus. You know, there's they're they're playing better defense than expected. I would still not say they're an elite defense by any stretch of the imagination. But I think that B minus could actually improve once you get Chris Dunn healthy. You add a lockdown perimeter defender, which is really what they're missing right now. Especially at the end of games, you know, I watch guys like quickly from New York just carve us up. We didn't have a guard that could stay in front of them. We're missing that, and I think having that perimeter guy that can stay in front of guards like Damian Lillard. So when we play against the Wizards, a guy that can guard Bradley Beal, I think it's going to improve. As for that C grade that I gave the offense, I think that will probably end up being a B plus when everyone's healthy. And the three point shooting percentage, which is okay, I think, is going to jump up. I think now that Trey's out of his shooting slump. Hopefully, Cam Reddish will find his shot again, and then I think once Gallinari gets back to a full workload and you add back back, I think that the three-point shooting will drastically improve, and it'll be a great compliment, what you're already getting out of the improvements from DeAndre Hunter and Kevin Herter, who shot the ball pretty well. So I think that that's something that we can see that we can hope to see improved to maybe the levels we thought it would be in the preseason. That said. The story of the year, without question, is just the injuries. And I know people say that, you know, in a season like this, when there's COVID, you know, you can't expect to have a full squad at any point. And I hear that. But the question I have is, how many NBA teams could lose six or seven rotation players? Because throw in there, I didn't even mention a Yeke Okonwu, who missed 10 games due to injury, and Tony Snell, who missed, I didn't even count his, the first nine or 10 games due to injury as well. Those are guys you were counting on your rotation. So, like, when Bogdanovich was, got hurt, you were counting on Tony Snell stepping in and giving you some minutes there, but he wasn't there. When Clint Capella was hurt at the beginning of the year, you were hoping that will could step in and give you some backup center minutes so you didn't have to play Bruno Fernando. It didn't happen. So I ask you, how many NBA teams could suffer the loss of six or seven rotational players and still put a competent product on the floor? Not many, and we know it. Look what happened to the Miami Heat to start the year. I mean... Look what happened to the Sixers during the stretch where they got hit with COVID. I, I don't think many teams could overcome some of what the Hawks have overcome this year to be a 6 seed right now with a 10-9 record. Which, interesting enough, is actually kind of exceeding the preseason expectations because most people had them projected, projected as a 7 or 8 seed. And I think our preseason projections had them about 37 or 38 wins, so just above 500. So if you extrapolate their record out... They are literally exactly where everybody thought they would be, slightly higher in the standings because the standings have been really funky right now. There's a bunch of teams bunched up between like 5 and 12. So overall, I would give the Hawks a grade of B- so far in the year. If you account for injuries and what they've overcome, you might give them even higher than that. But what I can't get over is there's just a lack of consistency on the offensive end. Defensive end's been a lot better than I expected, but a lack of consistency on the offensive end that has made for some very frustrating games when you watch them go four straight losing to the Knicks, the Hornets, and the Cavs, and then the Hornets again. And you're just like, wow, if you can just – and they had and they had leads in the fourth quarter three of those games. And it's like if you could just find a way to hold on to two of those wins, you're, you're in fourth place right now in the East, which is insane. You're hosting a playoff game right now in the East. Now, we know there's a lot of basketball left, and where teams are now is not where they're going to finish. But the point is just that the Hawks, to this point, have played at a very high level in the defensive end for them, especially compared to what we expected, haven't hit their peak on the offensive end and are still trying to fit together and gel a bunch of new pieces. So I think this team is still far away from their ceiling. If they can just get average health during the rest of the year, I think this team could climb even higher than six with some of the struggles other NBA teams are having. And I think that this could be a year where you could see the Hawks maybe even win a playoff series, which at the beginning of the year in the preseason seemed like a very, very lofty goal. All that said, I'm excited about the Hawks and can't wait to see where the rest of the 2021 campaign goes. All right. This is Dave Bethay from the Tide Run Podcast. That's it for today. Thank you for listening.